Acts chapter 7, if you have your Bibles, I, I want to refer to this last part of this chapter of Acts chapter 7. Stephen has always been someone that stands out to me. Um, we don't hear much about him, and really his death is one of his biggest legacies. But it was how he died. It was important enough for God to include this. Here is this man of God that is doing what he was called to do. And even at this point, it says in verse 54, Acts chapter 7, when they heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this, they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him dragged him out of the city, and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. Now notice verse 59 and 60. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord Do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep. Father, I pray for these next few moments that literally something so special and so supernatural would come into this place. God, I thank you for a pastor that is willing to highlight Pentecost weekend, Pentecost Sunday. God, I thank you for a group of Christians that will come out on a Saturday night, the first Saturday night of the summer. And Lord, say, God, you you matter. You are important. And we're going to make this investment tonight, tomorrow. We're going to go after you and the fullness of your Holy Spirit. And God, I believe that there's ever been someone in the in the Bible that was somebody that we could learn from of what it truly means to be full of the Holy Spirit. It is this story about this incredible man of God named Stephen. God, impart in us tonight what you desire for us to have. It's as simple as that, Lord. We ask that you would impart into us what you have to offer. Holy Spirit, we accept everything that you are, everything you represent, and all the power that comes with you and the power of being filled with your spirit. God, we thank you in advance for what you're going to do tonight and tomorrow. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, I think sometimes when we think as Christians, if we do the right thing, then everything's going to go smooth, right? Everything's going to be okay. But how many has been a Christian for a little while knows that's not always the case, right? You can be doing the exact will of God, and yet still you can find yourself in a prison cell, right? Like, if part of the Bible was written from prison, 
kind of dispels the notion, doesn't it? If part of the Bible was written from prison, it takes away the fact that we can be doing everything that God wants us to do and still find ourselves in a situation that we're in a prison or we're facing an angry crowd, just like Stephen. Now, that first part that it says when Stephen was preaching and he was just sharing the love of God and he was sharing about the Holy Spirit, the crowd grew angry. And it says they gnashed their teeth at him. I don't know if I've ever seen a person gnash their teeth. Now, I do know what it's like to have teeth gnashed at me, but it's from a dog. You ever seen a dog gnash their teeth at you? Like, right? I mean, maybe if you get angry enough, maybe you can gnash your teeth. But there is one thing that that communicates to me. Just like when a dog, you know, what's he saying? Come give him a hug. Come give him a nose snuggle. I mean, come pet me. No. There is one thing communicated when a dog gnashes his teeth at you. Run. Right? Run. Hope you are faster than the dog. Hope you can climb higher, get over the fence, get in the house. One time I was uh, in Zambia speaking for some friends of mine that we went to Bible school together. (laughs) Literally, the fact that Lance... And I graduated from Bible college is truly a miracle. And him and his wife have now been missionaries for many, many years. And they are very, very close to me. And I was there. Uh, It's a dangerous place where previously, before I got there, they just got a brand new vehicle. Within two weeks, they always tell you that. There, the missionaries have to have guards, and they have to be inside these compounds where you have a walled-in compound where your house would be so it would be secure because it's it's dangerous. And they always tell you, they always tell the missionaries, when you pull up to your house, keep pointed straight down the street. Do not point into where the door is, the gate, until the gate is open. Well, Lance... Just getting there. He's wet behind the ears. He has no clue. He forgets. Brand new vehicle. Only two weeks he has it. By himself, thankfully. Family wasn't with him. But there was guys that carjacked him. And what their MO was earlier that day, they've already done that three other times where they carjack, they take the people outside of town, they kill them, and then they have their car. Well... Lance is, you got to just know him. He always makes people laugh. He had the carjackers laughing. He was being carjacked, realizing that he was probably going to die, and yet God gave him such a peace. So this is the place, thankfully, they just dropped him outside of town and just took the car and, and, and didn't bother him, didn't hurt him a bit. But this is the place that it's dangerous. So they have a dog. Now, did you ever watch Hooch? 
The, you know what I'm talking about? Like just that scary, slobbering, big dog that you're scared of. I mean, think about through all the different ones. Well, they had a dog that was a train killer. It was the biggest, scariest thing you've ever seen. And they always told me that once everybody's in the house and they, the guards let it out and, and it roams around and nobody in their right mind would come in over the wall and come. And Lance and I got home one night after speaking and the dog wasn't in the pen. And I can honestly tell you, I... Literally thought I was going to die. Not at the hands of some killer or something. I literally thought I was going to die. I I literally get up to the house and I realize nobody's with me. And here comes the dog. And I'm like literally standing up against it where the door goes the opposite way of the way I need it to. And all three kids, all the missionary kids are standing inside the door just looking at me, and they're like, he's going to die. I mean, here's the dog. I'm standing there. I'm literally thinking I'm going to die at this moment and that there's ever been a moment I need the power of the Holy Spirit to shut the angry mouth of, you know, like the lions with Daniel. It was that moment. And I, I'm, I'm reminded of these uh, moments that no matter where we are, that it says run. Stephen was being told everything in his flesh, run. That night, I was caged in. I could not run. I just stood there paralyzed with fear. I mean, I was just imagining how all the ways that this is going to go down, none of them good. And it is by the grace of God, I'm standing here, with all my fingers and toes and everything because literally this dog, I guess he just sensed and that I was not a bad person, that I didn't, I wouldn't taste good. I don't know if I, you know, just, I don't like that, you know, I don't like that. I don't like that kind of meat, okay? Uh, but Stephen was standing there and these people got so angry that they gnashed their teeth at him so everything when, when we do not have the Holy Spirit, then in these moments of great crisis in our lives that we will always all face at some point, that the natural will say, run. Run from your marriage. Run from the chaos of your life. Run, run, run. Don't stand. Don't fight. But here is Stephen. <laughs> and... I I like the qualification of the word of God because it just makes it very, very clear. It says, but Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit. Do you realize that we live in a world in which most people that attend the Pentecostal church have no clue of what that even means? They haven't seen Pentecost They've never experienced Pentecost. They don't know what it's like to be full of the Holy Spirit. You know, when you pick up a rental car, just like I did, I I remember the lady told me, she says, yep, and the car is completely full. Because that's the requirement when you turn in a rental car that you have to have it filled up completely full. If you do not know that and you make the mistake of returning a rental car, 
they don't charge you for the part that's not filled. They just charge you for the whole tank. And it's so much more than what you would pay at the pump because they don't like cars to come in not full. So how is it five minutes down the road, I look at the fuel gauge of the rental car they gave me today, and I'm like, wow, gee, how is that already so far past the full? It wasn't full. Somebody didn't bring it back full. But I drove out with the understanding that it's full. Now, full means full to me, right? Past the F, right? Past the F. You know what, church? We've got to know what it means to be full of the Holy Spirit. Because half doesn't compute. One plus one does not equal three. Right? Five plus five does not equal 11 or 12. What God wants to speak into our lives is that we truly, if, if, if God was writing part of the Bible still today, and he was going to describe your life, would he start out like he did with Stephen? You're full of the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? What does it mean to be full of the Holy Spirit? It means that you have such a divine encounter with the Holy Spirit that the Holy Spirit is part of your daily active life, whether you are on Sunday, whether it's Monday, whether it's Thursday, no matter where, if you're at the gym, if you're at class, if you're at work, if you're in the neighborhood, if you're mowing your grass, you're full of the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? What does it mean to you to be full of the Holy Spirit? Because God wants us to be overflowing. I want to share something to you because There's a lot of discussion. A lot of people want to say certain things these days because exactly what Pastor was saying, there's a lot of people that they want to confine what it means to be spirit-filled as long as it fits in with their philosophy. I have been Pentecost my whole life. Thankfully, when I was 16 years old, I will never forget that moment that we had an evangelist and we had a revival at my church in western Oklahoma. And at that point, I got filled with the Holy Spirit. And what that means is there was a direct moment that I'd already been a Christian living through the word of God, following God, seeking God. God understood something. He understood that the Holy Spirit is necessary for all of us to be able to live out our Christian life, to overcome temptation. And it wasn't until just a couple of years ago that God made me something so real, and I really hope this speaks to you like it did to me. Because when we start talking about praying in the Holy Spirit, having your own heavenly language, there is so much discussion of whether that's a part of the Holy Spirit, all these people out there. Can I tell you, if God is offering it, I want it. Number two, if 
the original 12 disciples that walked personally with Jesus Christ for three and a half years. He was the original Google, okay? Can you imagine walking and living with Jesus for three and a half years, 24-7? You would know everything. You would have access to the most incredible discipler of all time, correct? Right? Come on, if Jesus was your mentor, your teacher, you couldn't get a better teacher. You couldn't get anybody better. You could not pick anyone better. And yet, the original 12 disciples, Jesus told them, as incredible of an experience as you have had with me, it's not enough. You need the gift. You need the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. And and so this is what God made real to me. Because I travel to all these countries and all the time I'm having translators. There's places in, in countries that I have to have two translators. Like, like in countries in Africa, uh, like if it's a French-speaking country, I'll speak in English, then the French interpreter will speak in French, and then once the French interpretation has been said, now the local African dialect, he will be speaking from what he knows from the French translation. And so three times. It's really difficult when you start having people repeat after me for the sinner's prayer. You're waiting five times. Dear Lord Jesus. Dear Lord Jesus. Dear Lord Jesus. Dear Lord Jesus. This is what God wants to speak to you about. You having your own personal language with the Holy Spirit. Because I'm not talking about the gift of tongues that is a specific moment when there is a group and body of believers, okay? I'm not talking about that. That is a definite part, okay? But when I talk about right now the heavenly language that comes with the Holy Spirit, it made it so real to me one time. And this is what God showed me of why you need a daily time of prayer that you pray in the heavenly language. How many knows that the Bible says that there will be times in our lives that we don't know how to pray? Do you remember that scripture? Right? There will be times in your life that you don't know how to pray. I can imagine yesterday morning, as a fellow student has a shotgun, and he is blowing kids away in that art room. I don't know. I just imagine most people at that point, you just shut down. There have been moments and times in my life that is as eloquent and anointed and able to pray in any moment. There's just sometimes you don't know how to pray. But that's okay. You guys here in Louisiana understand what it's like to have thunderstorms and hurricanes. And so what do a lot of people in Louisiana have? They have generators, right? This is the way I illustrate of not trying to 
disrespect the Holy Spirit in any way, but I'm trying to make it real to you that when the electricity shuts down and we don't know how to pray, but when we pray in the Holy Spirit, He knows how to pray. So when my electricity shuts off, my generator, the Holy Spirit, kicks in. So I'm never left in any moment not covered. Even if I'm being stoned to death, right? Even if everybody is against me and the world is against me and my family is against me and my friends are against me. But this is what God showed me about why every one of us in this room need that personal relationship with the Holy Spirit that we pray. I pray every day in my personal prayer time. I pray in my heavenly language. Why is that important? Let me say, this is a bombshell that God made it so real to me. This is how he explained it. If someone like you and I that live here in America and our first language is English, right? Or maybe you speak Spanish or Italian or French or Russian or Mandarin or Cantonese or whatever your first language is. If all your life, get this, if all your life, all you ever do is pray in your language then what you are saying, God, I know how better to pray than you do. Because see, when I stop praying in my language, and I start praying in my heavenly language, then that means Ron Rhodes stops praying, and God starts praying. And I don't know about you, but I've had too many times in my life that I didn't know what to pray I'll never forget that day in a hotel in Istanbul, Turkey. A nation where a pastor is is going through a trial right now. That he could face the rest of his life in prison or be killed because he is a Christian. And he is reaching people for Jesus Christ in that country. My wife and I were there about 13 days. It was the last day. We moved to a hotel out by the airport. We wanted to go there for a lot of different reasons, but we wanted to see if it was possible to do a soccer salvation camp because we heard there was freedom of religion, but it doesn't apply for everybody that's 18 and under. And so this first time to Turkey... This foundational time. We ate lunch. We came back to the hotel to get some rest. Because we're going to have to get up at 3 o'clock in the morning to make our 5 o'clock flight back to the U.S. So we had this great lunch. We're sitting in our hotel room. I'm laying on the bed, flipping channels on the TV, trying to find something in English or something I understood. And my wife was sitting at the little desk in the hotel. She was on the computer with her back to me. In one split second, everything changed. There was no warning. There was no work up to this moment. In one split second, everything changed. My wife begins to hear something that she cannot understand or uh, uh, comprehend what is that sound so she turns around to see something that no spouse no wife should ever have to see because so when she turned around 
the enemy literally was trying to kill me. I had, for the very first time ever, the only time ever in my life, I had a massive grand mal seizure. My wife did not know that was what it was. I was being shaken so violently by this seizure. She thought maybe it was a stroke, heart attack, whatever. She said, I was unrecognizable. I bit such a huge chunk out of my tongue. There was so much blood coming out of my mouth. The foam, the white was coming out. And literally, even though I never fell off of the bed, I was on the bed the entire time. After about a minute, she says, the seizure broke. I was completely unconscious, have no recollection. I literally just lay there completely motionless. And that's when it became really real to her. My husband is dying or he's already dead because I stopped breathing and I started turning blue. And that was the moment when you're halfway around the world and you're by yourself and you don't speak the language. And you call the hotel front desk and you say, call 911. And they say, what is 911? And she gets the point across, I need an ambulance. She runs out into the hall, screaming in a language that people do not understand. And nobody responded. She ran back into the room, freaking out. By herself, all alone. And she's literally starting to process this moment that... I'm not going to be getting on the plane with my husband in the morning like I thought. The only way my husband is going home with me is if he is in the luggage hold in a box. She runs out of the hotel room, runs to the elevator. She's in her bare feet. She's in her pajamas. She takes the elevator down to the front lobby of this hotel And she burst out of the elevator screaming, somebody please help. My husband is dead. The ambulance gets there. They get in the elevator. About nine people, hotel, management, EMTs. And she began to tell him what happened. And if there's ever been a moment in your life that you realize, you know what? It's not an option for me to be full of the Holy Spirit. But you know what? It's really nice to know also that the person you call your husband or your wife or your son or your daughter or your best friend or your coworker, you know what? Not an option for them either. Because I would not be standing here today If I didn't have a wife that knew how to touch God. Because in a moment that her electricity shut down, she knew how to pray. They came back in the room expecting to find someone laying there dead. Nine people standing around the hotel bed. That's when I wake up. Because God says, I'm not done with him yet. The attack of the enemy was so powerful, we would not know this for one week. 
that that moment of literally having my life wrung out of me, the seizure was so strong that it broke my spine in four places. I had a broken back in four places. I should have died. And the reason I tell you those things is I want to build your faith. I want to let you know that you may be insecure about the things of the Holy Spirit, but God's letting us know is there are moments and times in our life just like Stephen had. He was being stoned to death. And do not take away the image that stoning someone is taking little handheld rocks and ding, ding, ow, ow, ding, ding, ow. No, that's not what it was. They, you, you dug a pit. You were, you were, they literally would stand above you and they took huge rocks that would drop on you and break bones. Very, very painful. And I can't think of a better illustration of exactly what it's like to be out there as Christians in a world that they're going to gnash their teeth at us. There's an enemy that's wanting to stop us. But we have been given the Holy Spirit. And it says... Some of the most incredible things. It says, but Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God. Church, may you have that time with God that you know what your own experience is like of seeing the glory of God. This royal wedding that took place today. These people are untouchable. They're not real. They don't live real lives. They live in palaces and chauffeurs and and, and opulence and, and riches. You can have a bank account full. You can have your IRA full. You can have everything full. You can have your house full of the latest of the latest. But are you full of the Holy Spirit and have you seen the glory of God? Because the glory of God is what allows you and I to know that even after the roughest moments in our life, that's okay. You know what? God was showing Stephen that was getting ready to die. Hang on. This is what you're getting ready to be in. And there's way too many of us that are living out our Christian life, and it's ritual. It's, it's, it's just come to church on a Sunday, and God's saying, are you kidding me? You won't die for that. That's why it's so easy. That's why it's so hard to get people to commit these days. That's why we're, we're, we're shrinking instead of growing, because we're trying to present man's glory And and what they can offer. But God's saying, I want it to be something that you know what Stephen knew. That he says, go ahead and stone me. Because in a few moments, I'm going to be in that glory. And that glory is worth more than the greatest destination in America. The greatest destination in all of the world. It's better than any airplane. Better than any car. Better than any house. Better than any boat. Better than any four-wheeler or RV or any other experience. You can be in the pro 
football and play in the Super Bowl. You can play in the World Series, the NBA Championship, but there's nothing that will touch the glory of God because the glory of God, what Stephen saw, what God wants to show us through the power of the Holy Spirit is something that literally says, go ahead and take my life because that means I get to be in the glory of God. May we know something is so real. And then this was so key. Do you see the very next thing that God showed him? It showed Stephen that Jesus was standing at, at the right hand of God. Did, do you catch that? That's huge. That's like spotlight. Because guess what? Stephen was the first martyr. This is, this is the group that had been with Jesus in the flesh, physically. And then all of a sudden, this guy that they've been hanging around with for three and a half years. Oh, yeah, I'm checking out, guys. <laughs> yeah, go live my life. Go do what I've called you to do. Build my church, but I'm going to heaven. Oh, don't worry. I'm going to be up there building a place for you. But there's one thing that I make a commitment to you. Just always know, no matter what, no matter when you're crucified upside down and when you're fed to the lions and when you're burned at the stake and when they beat you and put you in prisons and dungeons, no matter what the world brings against you and no matter what the enemy does against you, I'm telling you as Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, I will be standing at the right hand of the throne of God and I will be interceding for you. I will be there day in and day out, 24-7. When you're facing the toughest time of your life, when you're going through a divorce and you're going through cancer and you're going through treatment and you're going against everything is against you, I'm going to be standing there and guess what why was it so important for God to show Stephen that he allowed Stephen to show that Jesus was where he promised to be he knew Stephen was getting ready to die for him die for the church die for Christ guess what God said, I'm going to show you, Stephen, that Jesus is where he promised to be. It was, uh, there's a church in Plains, Montana. It's western Montana. And I don't know if you've ever been to western Montana, but eastern Montana, not so pretty. Just flat plains. Western Montana, beautiful mountains. There's a church that, like 1998, I started preaching. I went every year. Did like 18, 17 or 18 straight years of revivals. And the pastors became like just personal friends of mine, Jim and Renee. And because of my hectic schedule, uh, They, the men in the church did something that just blew me away. They started the tradition. They would have me fly in two days early, at least two days early, every time before I would speak. And there was a man in the church that had a cabin out in the mountains, like 20 miles outside of town, off the grid, as they say. <laughs> no electricity. So the pastor and a bunch of guys... <laughs> And this evangelist showed up, and we would 
pack up the four-wheelers, we would pack up the guns, and we would pack up the meat. And we would go, and we would stay out of that cabin for a few days, and men would be men. I mean men. I mean, we drove four-wheel drive Polaris four-wheelers, okay? Now, this little weenie stuff, to, you know, uh-uh. The, the big deals, like, like we needed four-wheel drive on them to go where we were going. We would eat meat, and I'm not talking about chicken or something. I'm talking about bear and moose and venison and meat. And then we would shoot guns, and I'm not talking about 22s. I'm talking about the biggest of the biggest, the loudest of the loudest. That's what we would do. It's a tough crowd, Pastor. I thought I'd get a few amens from the men in the crowd here. You know, it's just like, doesn't that just sound like a glorious thing out in the mountains of Montana? Come on. I mean, I, this, this was my job. And they were like, no, you have to do this. Okay, I'll ride four-wheelers. I will shoot guns and eat meat for a few days with men of God. Yes. And literally, we did that year after. In fact, it became like the talk of, you know, and ev- more and more people got involved so much to the fact that Renee, the pastor's wife, she was like, I got a four-wheeler, and we got an RV. So she made Pastor Jim take her out there to the man's weekend, and they stayed in the RV. And the next morning, it's Friday morning, it's beautiful, pristine, cold October morning, in the mountains of Montana, and we are riding four-wheelers, and I'm just having the time of my life. It is so funny. They've never given me, uh, they've never let me off this because they also have a wood-cutting ministry that they go out and they chop wood and they cut down massive trees because the pastor used to be a lumberjack in, uh, in uh, Oregon many years before. And, and, and so they would literally help out the poor of their community get through the winter with wood for this wood ministry, and so I, I, li- I, was, I lived in Dallas for 28 years, most of my life, <laughs> so I came from the city, and I show up, I've never been at a church like this, never had to have wood-cutting gear when I show up to speak at a church, Pastor, I, I just call me crazy, so I showed up, and this is dating myself, but think back, late 90s, I showed up with a Tommy Hilfiger jacket, to go cut wood, and they've never let me live that one down. But so literally, I went out and, like, bought some real stuff for that week only, okay? Carhartt. I have a Carhartt jacket now, okay? And so it's a beautiful, but it's cold, and we we'd already ridden for an hour, and we're going to switch mountains, and Pastor was in front, and then Renee was on her four-wheeler, and then I was behind Renee, and there was three other guys behind me. And, and in one split second, everything changed. This is, this is the most glorious time we could ever have. But Renee, back wheel of her four-wheeler, clipped a huge tree that had been cut and fell down next to the path we were on. And because we were switching mountains, we were on a flat road. We were cruising along. None of us had helmets. And I was the one right behind her. So this is literally what happened. That back wheel clipped that tree, flung the big 
four-wheeler up like this and threw Renee through the air, slammed her down. And it just so happens where she was flipped through the air with a lot of force and her head whiplashed into the ground and right under her head was a rock. And it killed her. In one split second, everything changed. In one second, we're having the time of our life. And the next second, I'm literally looking at the pastor's wife laying there dead. I am sick to my stomach. We are so far out, there's no cell phone signal. Pastor Jim, I'll never forget this. He gets off his four-wheel and he runs back over to his wife. She's dead, lifeless, massive brain injury death. And in that moment, everybody just went into doing what they do. One guy started taking off as fast as he could on his four-wheeler to get as high as he could up the mountain to try to get a cell phone signal to call for help. Another man began to run off to a, just to find the closest house to see if they had a landline to call. Another guy went, drove back as fast as he could to the campsite to get a vehicle. And we were standing out there in the middle of this beautiful mountains. And there was nothing in the natural. But even if there had been the most advanced hospital, ER, brain surgeon that anyone would have access to, wouldn't have mattered. It's gone. And I'll never forget this big lumberjack, bigger than life pastor. It's literally just holding his dead, lifeless wife in his arms, and he's just crying, and he's saying, Renee, Renee, you cannot leave me. And, and she was laying there motionless. She's already in heaven. And it hits me. We're not going to be starting a revival like any other year. We're going to be planning a funeral. And as much as I would like to think at that moment that evangelist Ron Rowe just began to pray the most eloquent, amazing prayer that you ever heard, that didn't happen. Because my electricity shut down. Because these were two of my closest friends. There was no mouth-to-mouth. There was no CPR that was going to bring her back from a massive brain injury death. But I'm so glad that God knew that when I was 16 years old and a revival in Weatherford, Oklahoma, that God knew there would be times in my life that I would not know how to pray. I wouldn't even know what to begin to say. I wouldn't even know how to begin. That's okay because when my electricity shuts down, I have the power of the Holy Spirit like Stephen did, like Peter did, like the disciples did, like what God wants to give to every one of us in this room, that when the electricity shuts down and we're looking at our husband that's dying of a heart attack, our wife is going through a stroke no matter what it is, or you have somebody, a fellow student, began to shoot the students around you with a shotgun like yesterday morning, there will be times in our life that the electricity shuts down 
You've got to know, you've got to know, you've got to know that you are full of the Holy Spirit so that it's not something that you have to conjure up. It's not something that you've got to go research. It's not something that you can find on a phone or some book. It is an experience. It is a relationship with the Holy Spirit that immediately clicks in. And I can tell you on that mountain there that day, nothing in the natural was going to change anything, and that's why we needed the supernatural. And so all I began to do for 20 minutes, I began to pray. And the only thing I prayed was I was praying in the Holy Spirit. I was praying in my heavenly language because there was no prayer that Ron Rhodes was going to be able to pray that was going to make a difference. But God says, let me use you as a vessel, and let me begin to pray through you. And I just begin to pray something that is so natural. It's so natural. It's something that happens every day of my life because it's my prayer time. It's the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. It's the power to pray even when we don't know how to pray and we don't even know what to pray and we don't even see what to pray. But God says, let me take over that tongue. Let me take over and begin to pray the most powerful, amazing, deep prayer like you could ever pray how could we ever be so prideful to think that we always know how to pray with our language what we say by never praying in the holy spirit in our entire life is lord i know how to pray better than you i walk back and forth For 20 minutes, we did nothing in the physical, but we did everything in the supernatural. And 20 minutes later, all of a sudden, Pastor Jim says, wait a minute, Ron, I I think I just saw something. I, I, I think I just saw something. See, what you have to understand is Renee is standing in heaven. Jesus comes up and approaches her. He says, Renee, listen, this is what she says. Listen, no one that goes to heaven wants to leave heaven, even if you're allowed to look down and see your husband holding your dead, lifeless life, and he's begging for you to come back. Nobody that makes it to heaven wants to leave heaven, even if you're allowed to see that. Jesus walks up to Renee and says, Renee, I'm not done with you yet. I need you to go back. No, Lord, I don't want to leave this place. She says heaven has a smell. I mean, I've heard a lot of things about heaven experiences, but she says there is a smell. And oh, come on, eye has not seen, nor ear has heard. But oh, come on, think about it. Smells is one of the most powerful scents that we have. And she's literally having a conversation with Jesus while we're standing down on earth and we're grieving and we cannot believe we are literally looking at a dead, lifeless life that in a few moments ago was live as ever, driving a four-wheeler and now in a split. A second later, she's gone. And Jesus says, I need you to go back because at that time I'm down there and I'm praying in the Holy Spirit. And then all of a sudden, Pastor Jim says, I saw her eye flutter. And then a moment later, he says, I checked and she's got a pulse. You know what? God raised Renee Sinclair from the dead that day on that mountain in Montana. Let me tell you, God is real and he knows how to pray in those supernatural moments. happened several years ago and finally she's written a book she asked me to write one of the chapters it's at the publishers I don't know when the release date's going to be 
That story has nothing to do with any person, any man. It has everything to do with God and his power. And the same God can literally understand that it's your time, Stephen. I need you to die for my kingdom. But I'm going to show you that you're not going to die alone. And you know what? One of the most powerful things about this that steps, stands out to me is that very last part. When he had said this, he fell asleep. You ever walk in on your kids when they're asleep? It's a precious time, isn't it? My daughter is getting ready to be 21, so yeah, that's way past. Isn't that one of the most sweetest times? You just go in and give them a kiss before you go to bed, and they're already asleep. Just peek in on them or go in and give them a little peck on their forehead or their cheek. That's special, isn't it? Do you know this was one of the most chaotic, murderous, crazy, mad? Kind of reminds me of the way that ISIS is dealing with Christians. Horrible. Horrific deaths. Says he lay down and fell asleep. This wasn't a traumatic moment for Stephen. There was trauma all around him. There was chaos. There was venom. There was hate. There was anger. There was crushing of bones. There was blood. All this graphicness. But Stephen, God says, uh, he's full of the Holy Spirit. He's mine. I've got him covered. I've got him with the full of the Holy Spirit. You know what? Right now, my wife and I are going through a really, really rough time. My wife's best friend, her husband, is our connections pastor at our church that we attend. They have a little boy, two years old. He calls me uncle. Uncle with an N, L-N at the end. He loves me. He'll, he just loves me to death. And then they have a five-year-old little girl. Just two months ago, Brittany, this pastor's wife, only 31 years old. You have breast cancer. You don't just have breast cancer. It's the worst breast cancer that you could have. It's the fastest growing breast cancer you could have. We're going to do a radical mastectomy, double mastectomy. Then you're going to need chemo and radiation for an entire year. It's spread into your lymph nodes, we know for sure. Brittany had her first chemo last week. We've sat in the hospital. We keep the kids all the time as much as we can. And just two nights ago, before I would fly down here, we took the kids home. Brittany is so weak and so sick. Her hair is already coming out in clumps after just her first chemo. 
just two nights ago, standing there in her house wanting to give hope, and she just breaks. She's like, I can't even wrap my mind around this. This is the very beginning of the beginning of an entire year. That I don't even know how it's all going to turn out. And I don't even know if I'm going to be there for my kids. And all I have to look forward to is being sick, 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 worn down, worn down. My kids are already missing me because I can't even take care of them. So what I'm saying to you today, don't take another day to be without the fullness of the Holy Spirit in your life because there will be times in your life that there's all chaos all around you and you don't know what you're going to do and you don't know where you're going to turn and you don't know how you're going to pay the bills and you don't know how you're going to get through this latest physical struggle in your life. And all you do is you just realize that the enemy is trying to stone you to death by trying to wear you down and to discourage you and take you down. But you've got to understand that when we are full of the Holy Spirit and we see the glory of God and we see Jesus standing at the right hand of the throne interceding for us is that we will make it. But we will not just make it. But even if the world comes against us and turns against us and they stone us to death like Stephen, God in his infinite peace and mercy will surround us with a peace that literally allows us in the most chaotic, horrific moment of our life. And we just lay down in God's peace and it's all in his hands. I want you to stand with me if you would, please, Father. I thank you and I praise you that you are here today. God, uh, Lord, when Pastor and I talked a few months ago about the direction of this night, just thinking about the Holy Spirit and helping us with the tragedies and the challenges of life, God. There's been so many moments in my life, Lord, that I've faced death and I went through cancer or living daily with the horrific pain of having a double disfusion that's got broken screws and four fractures in my spine and being told that my little girl at 16 months old that the reason she's having seizures is she has so many tumors on her brain they can't even count them She has a rare and curable disease. That moment where as a 15-year-old, my mom held my dad's shotgun, begging me to show her how to use it because she couldn't deal with life anymore. God, in just a few short weeks, I'm going to have the privilege to stand in front of a devastated church in a community in Santa Fe, Texas, Share a message of hope when there's so much pain. God, there is no doubt in my mind that this was a divine moment planned by you. That the people in this room on this Saturday night would need to hear this message. God, we have no idea what life will bring or what's around the next corner. But God, may we understand and know what Stephen knew. 
that when all of the world is against you, it feels like the weight of the world is on you. You are covered. You're sheltered. God, I know it's your greatest desire that we that we literally experience the fullness of your Holy Spirit. That's you. It's your spirit. Holy Spirit, we open our hearts to you. Come on, this is Saturday night. If you, like me, just want the fullness of the Holy Spirit, I want you to come fill this altar right now, and I want you to lift up your hands, and let's just go after the Holy Spirit right now. Come on, church, come on. Everybody, you just want to be full of the Holy Spirit, whatever that means.